around somebody that could have had it or something of that nature. So, but we take a risk. I think we forget we take a risk just getting out on the road driving. And uh, so we just have to pray the Lord will take care of us and what comes to us uh, be according to his will. And uh, I think that's been one of the harder things for me to learn in life is that uh, what I do face and come through in my, in my walk, um, God's put me there for a reason. And uh, unfortunately, too many people don't look at things that way, or else they wouldn't be uh, <laughs> complaining about everything that happens. But uh, but either way, good to see all of our visitors here this morning, and uh, I, I do appreciate you coming and being with us this morning, and uh, excited for what uh, the Lord is going to do. Um, and I've been excited to study from James this week, if you'll turn with me to James chapter number 5. I've been excited in my study and and thinking a lot of my preaching recently has been centered and focused around of course what's to come what we see is is evident in the future we see that we're living in the end times in the last days and we see that we're so I feel like we could we could almost taste the return of Christ I can almost hear the trumpet it's almost time for for us to go home and that's a beautiful feeling it's a beautiful thing and so we've preached about that but I was reading and studying this verse and uh, this verse out of James 5 really really stuck to me I mean it just it won't let go and uh, we'll just go ahead and read and start in verse number one and then uh, our specific verse this morning will be no, verse number seven well says uh, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Uh, we were just talking about that. Uh, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. This verse number 7 here that's really stuck out to me and been on my mind this week. It says, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the time we've got together. We thank you for blessing us. God, you do so much for us. You do more than we deserve. God, you just continually fill us uh, with more than we, we even need. God, you, I've, I've never went without, and I appreciate that. But God, in these trying times as we are facing things in this world, we need to realize that it's important that we're patient on your return and that we realize that we shouldn't just only focus on that, but there's so much more we can be doing while we're waiting on you to come back. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was uh, studying and thinking about this, I was, of course, thinking about the, the great return of Christ and how that he will just come and take us out of here and we won't ever have to worry about anything else. And I think that's a great feeling. It's a great thought to feel that maybe that, that, that well, not maybe, but we know that there's going to be a time that's upcoming where all of this, all this system, this false religion, all this mess that we see, all the junk that we hear, all the things that you and I face from day to day is going to end. It's going to come to a point where it, it just ceases 
to exist in our understanding, and we're going to be eternal beings in heaven with, with, with the Lord. And so as we think about that, I tell you what, it's, it's hard to, to get your mind off of that. If you start thinking about it, you, you kind of follow that, and you just continually just think about that, and you'll just uh, kind of continue in your, 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 your daily time and your daily study or prayer with the Lord, and, and that, that'll be on the forefront of your mind as you're, as you're walking through your day-to-day life. And I'm, I was thinking about that return and of, of Christ, and I'm thinking, you know, this world's just going to burn, and this world's just going uh, to face so much, and I'm not going to have to be here for that. And I got to thinking about how important it is that while I am waiting patiently upon the return of the Lord, that while I'm waiting, while I'm sitting, while I'm uh, uh, expecting that and praying for that, that I realize and recognize that there are other, there are other things that I need to be doing. Uh, there's other preparations that need to be made. There's stories that need to be told. There's messages that should be preached. There's a life that needs to be lived in front of people that might draw them to Jesus, that, might, uh, that they might see something in me that's worth having so that they might go to heaven with me. And it's important that we live and act like, uh, not that we're just only, only focused on uh, the return of Christ, that we're only focused upon uh, Christ coming back, that, but that we know and understand that there are things we need to be doing uh, while we're while we're waiting on him, and so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about all this that this verse says here. It says uh, that that you, verse two uh, in, in chapter five of James uh, says your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten. Your your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. There's something about this world that they just try. They're building up, and they're trying to, trying to uh, get everything they can. They're trying to, to build up this storehouse for when the, the end comes. For when, uh, and and has, as we just read there in that quarterly, how it said that they're, the people, when, when their religion is destroyed, they'll be in a sense of denial. They'll be in a sense of disarray because they won't understand what happened to all this they built up. And so it says, when it says you've heaped treasure together for the last days, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little old-fashioned, but I still listen to talk radio. And uh, if, you're, if you ever listen to talk radio, there's a lot of commercials. And I realize that, uh, no offense, but I realize a lot of that, uh, the commercials are kind of targeted at an audience a little older than I am. And, uh, and so a lot of these people that they're talking to, they're, they're like, what do they tell you? Silver and gold. Trade your money in for silver and gold. You know you're going to need silver and gold. I don't have money. I don't have any money right now to trade in for silver and gold. But there's a lot of people that are uh, trying to get everything they can get, preparing for the, the, the end to come. And when the end comes, they want to have enough sto- stored up that they can barter and they can do and they can survive. And they think that all this that they're building up is one day going to be able to be used as a currency to try to uh, uh, prevent themselves from having to face the reality that, that God is true and God is real and God is right. And all this thing, this world system, all this false religion, all this mess is, uh, is right and true. And so unfortunately, that's what they're building up. And it says, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped it are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. And I got to thinking about that. And our patience, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, is in our patience and our waiting on the Lord. What, what can we learn about our waiting 
on the Lord. What does the Bible use as an example? He uses a farmer. And I got to thinking about that, that husbandman. That means that he's a, he is responsible for maintaining and taking care of something. He's responsible, in this case, the fruit of the earth. He's responsible for a garden or a vineyard or uh, some kind of plants. The husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. And I got to thinking about being patient like a farmer. Growing up, and I thought first and foremost about my grandparents, my, my mom's mom and dad, and, and growing up farming and having, we had tobacco and cattle and the garden and everything, and I got to thinking about all that I saw them do. When it got time for tobacco, you get out and you, 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 you set your tobacco and you hoe your tobacco and you make sure things are healthy and you get out there and you work in the heat because that's when it's time to do it. You can't do it when it's cold. You can't do it when it's snowing. You got to do that work when in a specific time, in a specific weather, specific uh, place you got to go sell that and you got to make money and there's a specific time you got to focus on that. But I don't ever remember going with my grandparents, and I was just little, but I don't ever remember going with them and just setting the tobacco out and just sitting at the edge of the field and just watching it grow and waiting on it to be ready to harvest. I don't ever remember doing that. While we, we went and done that, of course, the garden need tended to at that time. We still had to go feed. We still had to mow hay. We still had to set, put hay up. We still had to do other things. We couldn't just focus on that one thing. If you set out a garden and you put out some tomatoes and squash and beans and everything that you, you want in a garden and you set all that stuff out, you can't let the other things that you have to do fall to the wayside just because of that, that one thing. If you let your garden uh, be the only thing you focus on and you neglect your livestock, that, the only thing you'll be eating in the, in the wintertime is vegetables. you got to make sure that you equally and, and intentionally take care of all parts of the things you're responsible for. And so what I'm thinking about here and the kind of the wavelength I'm on is that as a farmer, the, thing, the things that you should do, you, sh you can't just focus on one thing. Well, and I know it's, it's, it's hard to survive. It's hard to make a living. It seems like if you, don't go to the, if you can't just go to the grocery store and buy it, you, you, you definitely uh, won't be able to make a living doing it. It's hard to do, and people do, and I commend those people. Um, and I watched my grandparents get it got harder and harder and harder to do and to the point where it was just like, you know what, we're better off just writing it off and, <laughs> and saying we're done with it. And, uh, and, I, and I hate that, but I, I remember so vividly and so importantly how it was to focus on more than just one thing because it all has to work together it's important things that and, I, and i'm thinking about oh shelby and i we were talking about you know my, my brother getting engaged we're talking about marriage on our way over this morning and not that we're marriage gurus but you get married and you're like oh man this is a lot different than anybody ever told me i'm i'm learning and we're talking about how you have that first like six months to a year and it's just like I mean, it is smooth sailing. You're like, man, this is what I was looking for. This, I think we have some newlyweds in here, don't we? Yeah, yeah. so it's just, it's just the best thing you've ever seen in your life. And then it's, you get to this point and you're like, it's not, it just doesn't, you don't wake up and it's that way. You wake up and you realize that it's going to be a choice. You're going to have to choose to be happy. You're going to have to choose to put your spouse first. That honeymoon wears off and you're like, man, what did I get myself into? And it's required of you to put that first, that relationship first. And if you only focus on one aspect of your marriage, if you only focus on one thing in your life, if you're married and the only thing you focus on, well, we got to have money. So the only thing I'm going to put my attention on is my job. You're not going to have a happy marriage because you're only focusing on one thing. 
You've got to make sure that you're focusing on, of course, your job and leaving every day and know that you put a good, honest, hard day's work in. But if you can leave and go home and your, your marriage be first, that person that you're married to be first, that's when your job starts to fall in place. That's when the marriage starts to get good. And we said this morning as, as we sung our, our hymns uh, that a marriage is supposed to get better over the years, not get worse. You know, you start up real high, and it's not supposed to go down, you, but you have to put forth the effort. And you can't just focus on being the, you know, well, i got to be a good husband. No, you, you got to be a good husband, but you got to be a good Christian. you got to be a good uh, leader in the church. you got to be a good uh, citizen. you got to be all these things together and focus on more than just one thing. So that's the same thing for this farm. I don't think he waits on the precious fruit of the earth, but it says he hath long patience for it. I don't believe, uh, and it says until he received the early and latter rain. So he's expecting and knowing that there's going to be something come that's going to, that's going to allow his, the, his fruit to grow. There's something that's going to come that's going to provide for him the ability to harvest the fruit. But I don't believe he's lazy. I think that while he waits on it and while he's patient for it, He's just doing other things. And I got to thinking about that. And what can we learn from a farmer? I was, like I said, I was thinking about my, my mama and papa and how that they were always doing something. It was all, there's always something to do. Summertime, especially when I wasn't, didn't have to go to school, I'd hear my papa's truck roll up and I'm like, here we go. We're going to go do something. And I was so excited always to get out there and go work with him, go do things with him. And he'd take us and we'd, we may go feed cattle or we may go cut some trees or, you know, do different things, whatever it may be, go to the store, pick stuff up at the hardware store or whatever, whatever it was. We were always doing something. And I think about that and I think, you know, all the while we were doing these things, we're making preparations in all kinds of different areas. And I remember them always talking about how they would just pray that the Lord would bless them with a little rain how they would pray, God, just send us a little rain. We'd sit down to supper, and my mom, she'd open, she, she'd open the, window, the window up, and you'd feel that cool breeze come through. She'd say, the Lord's going to bless us with some rain. You know, in preparation. They weren't lazy. They were preparing. They were making preparations for when the time come that they could reap that fruit. And to see her get sick and face what she's facing, She's waiting on that rain to come, and I'm praying for it. And I believe God will send it. But if not, that fruit, that, that sweet fruit, it'll be time to reap what's been sown. But all this whole time, I'm thinking about her specifically. This time you think about cancer and all that stuff come up, and she just only focused about cancer. If that's the only thing she focused on was just beating cancer. Like I told you, I went over there the other night. She had just, just had surgery. For breast cancer. She's like, you want something to eat? Can I fix you something? She goes, well, I want to send some stuff home with you. Now, she wants to make preparations. She's not just focusing on one thing. She's making preparations for me, for my wife and our baby and my family. And That's what she cares about. That's what she's making preparations for because that's what's long-term in her mind. And Christian, if you think about your life and your walk with the Lord, if we're only focused on one aspect, if we're only, I want to do, this is the only thing I, I want to, I want to do this, and this is the one thing I'm going to focus on. Or if we get, the Lord's coming back and I can smell it, I can too. 
he is on his way back and it's going to be great. But there's a lot of people that don't have the same promise, that won't reap the same fruit, that won't get to go to heaven with us. There's a lot of people that don't know, don't believe, don't have any, any relationship to the Lord, don't have any right to walk through the doors of the gates of heaven. And the only reason we do is because we've been allowed into the family because somebody told us one day. Somebody was, they weren't just sitting around watching the, watching the, the weeds grow. They were, what, they were intentionally and purposely trying to reach other people. And therefore, we, you and I, are able to take part in that truth in the Lord. And so, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about praying for rain. I'm thinking about for the patience that a farmer has and, and how they're diligent. And not just sitting and, do, and watching one thing grow, but going around and doing many other things. And protecting what they have. If the fence is down, I don't care what time, it is, time of night it is, that's something you've got to go fix. Last night, we, come, we went over to my mom and dad's, and I kept thinking all day yesterday, I kept thinking, I want to be home and rest today. I hadn't, I hadn't been home this week hardly. And I thought, all day yesterday, I want to be home. And I worked all yesterday morning, and I thought, I'm going to go see mom and dad early this evening. And I'm going to go see them, and I'm going to come home, and I ain't going to do one single thing once I get back. So I go over to mom and dad's about 3 o'clock, and we sit there for about an hour and a half. And we get and it rained. I mean, it was, uh, it it was a, a catastrophe. I was. It looked like a like a hurricane came through Leicester, and I was like, "What in the world is going on?" It was the hardest rain and wind I've ever seen in my life. When it got done raining, I was like, "I'm gonna go home and take a nap." And uh, I'm not usually like that, but I I thought all day I gotta go over there and see them early so I can get back early and just rest the rest of the evening. And we come pulling down our driveway. We're coming down the road in the subdivision. And lo and behold, there is a white pine about 100 feet long laying across the road. And I'm like, well, my plans just changed. But you know, I got so focused on one thing that when some, something else, and you can ask my wife, I reacted well to it. I'd been studying this all day long. I reacted well to it on the outside. But we get down there, and I think, you are kidding me. I wanted to go home and just take a, you know, take a nice evening and just rest a little bit, sit on the porch, you know, be lazy. And the one time I actually have the time and the ability to do that, a tree falls across the road. I didn't say that out loud, but I thought that in my head. And I got to thinking about this and thinking about how that, that if I, in, in my life, and how this message came to my mind of like, there's things that's going to come across us in our life. There's things that are going to stop us and slow us down. And, and you know, me and my dad spent a good two hours together cutting that tree up. And it was just good time together. And how God blesses in that. He, he, he'll give you more time. He'll open the door. I could have just went and sat and sulked alone, sad about having to go everywhere and run all over creation this week. But rather, I was able to spend time with somebody I care about and I love. Yeah. And it wasn't the best circumstance. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. But I can find joy in those things. So while we're here, things are sad. Things are tough. I don't want to see what all that's going on in the world. I don't want to see what's happening. I don't want to see things burn down. But we can find joy and happiness. I talk to people, and I, it looks like I, I talk to people every day, and it looks like I ate a lemon for breakfast. And I'm like, you are you you the way you look about you, the, your life and your walk. These are people that I know are Christian people. These are people I know are church going people, and they look like they're done defeated when you get up in the morning. I mean, you see them at nine o'clock in the morning. They ain't even had time for anybody to run them off the road yet. They hadn't even had time for anybody to cut in, cut in front of them in line at Walmart, and they already look defeated. What are we focused on? What's our intentions? What's the only thing we're thinking about? It's like all these, all the people you talk to and see, well, 
I just, I can't get past all that's going on. Turn the news off. I can't get past, you know, just I don't, I don't, I don't want to get sick. Stay away from people. I just, you know, there's an answer to it. There's a way around it. Don't just focus on one thing. This farmer, he just waits patiently on that fruit to come, to, to grow. He's waiting patiently on that rain to come by. But he's not only focusing on that one thing. Because you know what? If that's the only thing he focused on, the day it didn't rain, he'd be defeated. The day that he saw some bugs flying around and eating up his crop, he'd be defeated. The day that it just came a flood and just washed away his garden, he'd be defeated. Because he's, that's the only thing he's focusing on. We planted, my family, they don't believe in little gardens. It's crazy. It's like, let's, so, let's, let's plant seven rows of beans a mile long. And I love green beans, but I hate picking green beans. And so they plant like four rows of beans, and they absolutely got flooded last night. I mean, just awful flooded. But you let the sun come out, the sun will dry it up. They'll probably be okay. They grow up anyway. You have to look at things from an aspect of like, hey, I could have been defeated last night because I won't, I won't have any beans, and I will not eat green giant out of a can. I ain't going to do it. I'm spoiled that way. But I'm afraid too, too many people don't know that labor that goes into that and how you do feel when you see what you've planted, what you've worked on get destroyed. I'm afraid too many people are too used to going to the store and buying what the world has to offer, and that's the only thing they've ever had. You eat just some good homegrown beef, and you'll, be, you, you'll look at the guy handing you a burger at McDonald's different next time. Like, what are you giving me? You can go buy $10 a pound ground beef from a grocery store, and it don't taste like something you've grown. It don't taste like something you've worked hard on. It don't taste like something you've bottle-fed. Sorry to that calf, but it, it doesn't taste like that. It doesn't feel like that. Something that you labor for and something that you work for, that it is the precious fruit of the earth when you, when you take part of it. And if you're a Christian and the only thing you've ever done is just skirted in on somebody's coattails and the only experience with God you've ever had is just because you showed up to church here and there and, uh, and you've just been uh, this kind of wishy-washy Christian, if that's the only experience that you've got, if that's the only blessing you've got, that's sad. I want more than that. When you put work and effort into it and you see it grow and you see the fruit come out and you watch God give the rain, it doesn't taste like that green giant out of a can from the store. It tastes like your grandmama done got it out and put it in the crock pot uh, from last year. It tastes like the real stuff that you went and sweated and picked yourself. It tastes like the real stuff that you saw grow. It tastes like the real stuff that you prayed for. I might be getting way out of bounds on this scripture, but I believe that this farmer, this husbandman, he's not lazy. And he appreciates what he works for. And that we, we know, if we know heaven is out there, if we know heaven is out there waiting on us, if we know that that's our eternal home, if we know that that is what we're awaiting and that's what we're getting so close to, I know that on this earth, if I put forth effort, if I work hard, if I pray, if I study, if I, if I come in fellowship and spirit and truth with God's people, that it'll be even sweeter. There's so many people in, in, in the world and, and they act like that only, the only thing that they care about is 
just get it as quick as as quick as you can, consume it as quick as you can, and go on. That's what we're talking about, the fall of Babylon. We're thinking about that. That's the existence of the false religion. Is it's just fill you up. It won't it won't tide you over, but it'll fill you up for a little while. And each time you need it, you go back and you go back and you go back and you get to the same old junk. But when you taste that stuff that's been labored for, that's been worked for, it just tastes better. It just feels better. A little sweat equity. If we're thinking about our patience, pray for rain, stop treating God like we can get like we can get our beans from the grocery store. I want the stuff from the ground that I work for. Realize that there are fee other fields that need to be tended to. Like I was saying earlier, you know that there's things that you there's things that in season you've got to focus on. But you still need to make other preparations for when it's cold outside. You got to make other preparations. My cousin just uh, not too long ago, he well last uh, last winter slaughtered a hog. He sent a bunch of meat out to beat everybody. And to eat that, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's good stuff. He made preparations for the cold months. He made preparations. Well, that's what you do when you go. You got all this stuff. You're going to try to can stuff. That's what you're doing is you're making preparations for when it doesn't just sprout out of the ground. Christian, if you're walking through life, don't just skirt by each situation. Just get a little bit from the Lord and keep going. You need to take those circumstances and take those experiences and put some stuff up for when the Lord, when you're not feeling like you're on top of the mountain. Most of your walk with the Lord is, is in, you're in a valley somewhere. That's just the way it is. If it was all mountaintops and unicorns and rainbows, I would tell you, but it's not. Most of this walk with, in, our, in our walk with the Lord, we're in some sort of valley because we're going against the flow of what this world says we should be doing. That's what we were just talking about in, the, in our Sunday school is if you do anything different than the way the world does it, you're an outcast. They don't understand why you're doing what you're doing because you're not taking part of what, everything, what everybody else is doing. But you're building up. You're preparing. You're praying for rain. You're, doing, you're, you're, you're actually getting that good fruit that somebody that you've worked for, that you've prepared for. Don't forget that hard work pays off. The biggest lie sold to so many young people is that if you can find a way to avoid work and make money and survive, do it. In other words, if you can find a way to get somebody else to give you everything you need without you having to sweat for it, that's the way you should live your life. Find a way around the work. That's one of the greatest lies told to a lot of people in this younger generation my age. And so many people don't care about making anything for themselves. Like I see so many people that they don't. I talk to them every day, and they come, you know, they come for a financial need. I need this, 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 and this. The first thing somebody's going to ask you is, "Well, do you have this? Have you done this? Have you prepared this way?" No, I haven't. Nobody told me I had to. Doesn't make the answer that I have to give any different, unfortunately. But it's because things are the way things are set up, the way culture is, is it's try to find a way to benefit off of somebody else's hard work. 
when you do something and you work hard for something and you get it, you're going to want to take care of it. You're going to want to see it last. You're going to want to see it be blessed. You're going to want to protect it, and you won't want to just give it away. goes back to thinking about marriage. We were talking about this morning. Something you are blessed with, and like me, I didn't deserve. But once, you, once I got it, I realized the treasure that I had. I'm like, this is something worth holding on to. And every time that I got down and every time I started hurting, it's like that rain came by and God just blessed. And every time I started to feel like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I started to see the fruit. Especially now. There's fruit, obviously, that God's blessed us with. And to think about how he'll do that for us. And you know, I wasn't always the best husbandman. I haven't always been patient, obviously. Shelby knows that. I'm not patient all the time. But even when I'm not that way, God blesses me. But I do know that those times when I put forth effort and I, I work as hard as I can to be the best husband I can be, to do the best I can in my job, to be the best Christian, to be the best prayer, you know, prayer warrior and best I can be studying and praying with the Lord, being with the Lord. When I put all that stuff together, that's when I start to see that fruit come out. Hard work pays off. He goes on to say in verse number 8, and I'm done. It says, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. So I think during our waiting, there's a few things that we can, we can do. Of course, I believe that we should be patient and we wait, as we wait on things. If it's, what, no matter what you're waiting on, I've told people that I've been so blessed in my life, and I don't say this to boast or anything, but most things to me have been so just, just kind of easy to get. If I, when I wanted a job, I went and applied for a job, and I could get a job. I wanted a car, I went and applied for a loan, I got a loan. I went and got a house, applied for a loan, got a loan. It, these, these things were easy. But when, I, when Shelby and I, and I were dating, I went through some of the hardest junk I had ever faced in my life. And it didn't just come to me easy. And it taught me a lesson about how blessed I had been growing up never needing anything. God pro provided our family with everything we needed. And I realized that I didn't grow up as hard as I thought I did. I thought I had it tough because mom and dad expected things from me. That wasn't the case. I grew up, never, never was hungry, as you can see. I grew up never needing anything. I didn't always have the newest and, and fanciest stuff that everybody had, but I always had something to wear. I always had shoes. I had something to drive. I had things, and I was so fortunate and so blessed, and my life had just been a dream, and then I had this adversity stand in front of me. And I'd had, we had so many just things we faced when we were dating and when we were engaged and prepared to, be in, to get married. And I tell you what, I about let that define me and defeat me. Because I'm like, why does it have to be this way? Why can't this be? Why can't this be like everything else? Why can't this be like 
getting a job or going and doing going doing school was easy for me. I didn't pay attention half the time, but I made it through. I, I was good at sports. I, I, I was always good at so many different things. But then this one thing in my life that I ought to be good at, I faced constant adversity. I faced constant trouble. I faced something all the time. I didn't understand it, Britton. I did not understand it. But then I realized when the fruit came from it, how much it was worth it. And he's saying here in verse number seven, be patient, establish your hearts. And you know what I did through that circumstance? I took all of that, I faced all of that hurt, all of that pain, all that suffering, and I balled that up and I used that as a, and I set that down as a foundation for me going forward. Because I knew that I was going to face things differently. I knew that the easy part of my life was over. Because I realized that once you have the responsibility of being a husband, once you are, are given the responsibility of being a dad, uh, you start to see things a little bit differently. You start to feel the pressure a little bit differently. And I took all that that I had faced and I set that up as a foundation to say, you know what? I can establish and set myself from here on out that everything I go through, I'm not going to say, why ain't this easy? Why isn't this coming to me naturally? Why can't I just walk right through this like everything else? But I have walked through the fire before, and I can do it again with the help of the Lord. Right. Establish your hearts while you're waiting. If you're not patient, settle your heart. That's probably the problem. Well, I just, you know, I can't figure this out. I just, you know, just I'm, I'm bad to pace. Shelby called me out on it like three times yesterday. If I, if I can't, I, I, I don't sit still well. I like, if this micro, it kills me. If this microphone, if I could carry this around, I would. I want to move. But I was walking, pacing around the house yesterday. I knew what I needed to do, but I was just walking in a circle around the house. Like I was on a mission. Finally, I was like, oh, I, I remember what I got to do. I'm afraid spiritually so many people are just pacing, walking around in a circle, just trying to figure out what, what's next. What do I got to do? How do I, how do I do this? How do I do it? Establish and settle in your heart who you are in Christ. Let him move in. Let him take over. Let him take control of your walk and your relation to him spiritually. Establish your heart. And it goes on, verse number nine. <clears throat> it says, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Grudge not one against another. I think God wants us to settle in our hearts because we're choosing him. When we establish our hearts, we're choosing him, and I believe he loves to see that. But we should separate from, from strife. One of the biggest victories that Satan is winning right now is he is turning church people against one another. He is running rampant in denomination issues, doctrine issues, theological issues. He is just he is tearing the church to shreds in so many ways. We have had so many years to create and build up what each person thinks church and denomination and everything else should look like. I mean, there's thousands of years of man having this hand in church, and that's the problem. God doesn't want us to be, be fighting 
amongst one another. He wants us, I believe, to settle in our hearts. Let him move in. But separate from strife one with another. Get that out of the way. The closer and closer I feel to the end, the closer and closer I feel to the return of Christ, I've already felt hardness in my heart towards people leave. I'll be honest with you. Those people that have done me, treated me like a dog, that I've thought about, man, I was ignorant to hold on to that. There's people that have treated me bad, and I thought, man, I was wrong for, for thinking about them that way. There was one specific circumstance that a fellow and I had disagreed on, and I tried to make things right. I tried to fix things, and I feel like I stood on, on Scripture in that situation, and he would not have it. He would not. He didn't want to hear a thing I had to say, and for about three years, he didn't say a word to me. And he texted me one day and he said, I just want you to know I'm sorry and I love you. And I was like, God's working on people. <laughs> That's proof that God doesn't want us to be fighting one with another, but yet building one another up. And that's the issue. The devil is wanting the church to crumble at its base because if it can, if he can see churches fall apart, if he can see people go home mad, if he can see people mad at one another, that's just, he's, he's corrupting that garden. He's destroying that crop. He's destroying the, the, the land that the husbandman is waiting on the Lord to send rain to. He is destroying and corrupting the things that God wants to give us. Right. He can't take away heaven, but man, he can, he can mess up what's on this earth. Appreciate you listening to me. That's all I got. I feel good. I don't know about you. I feel good. And I appreciate all of our visitors being here this morning. It's good to see all y'all. Just thankful that God blesses and continues to bless. And, you know, it, think about all the times he has sent rain, all the times he has provided. That makes me want to go out and do more. That makes me want to be more. The biggest thing is it's one thing who you are in front of people, but it's most important who you are when no one's watching. Who you are specifically. I had a lot of struggle with that a long, for a long time. Well, my papa's a preacher. I know how to act out in public. You know them preachers' kids, preachers' grandkids, the rough crowd. But I always thought, you know, I knew how to sound. I knew how to talk. I knew I could make you think I was the best kid. I made a lot of people think I was the best kid. And then they found out what I was out doing, and they're like, this, what's wrong with this, this youngin'? But it's when I started to see true change in my life is when individually – I started getting more dedicated and I started praying and I started spending more time with the Lord. I started caring more about not what people saw or thought, but who I was when no one was watching. That's where you see fruit. That's where you see growth. That farmer, he don't have to have a crowd. He don't have to have a crowd there watching for him to go feed them, feed his livestock. He doesn't have to have a crowd watching to go. I, I see this all the time on Facebook. Some of these guys, younger guys, people out there out doing different things and everything's got to be out there on social media so everybody can pat them on the back yeah. I remember a lot of days working with my grandfather and there wasn't a camera around there wasn't nothing around it what it was because it was a need of survival it was a need of progress there was a need something that needed to be done yeah. we didn't have to have everybody's pat on the back 
And I appreciate that for, for those genuine people. You know, they, real people, they've got to go do what they got to do regardless of who's watching. Yeah. And I want to be that way myself. Does anyone have anything?